Good morning, good morning, good morning. We'd like to welcome you to the Crossroads podcast. Host Dr. Lee Adams to connect and take us on into the future. Go ahead, Doc. Good morning, good morning, and good morning to each of you, to our podcast listening audience for Saturday, September 17th, AD 2021. Welcome to our podcast entitled Crossroads, where our symbols are the interstate markings of Interstate 40, traveling east and west, and interstate markings of Interstate 55, which travels north and south. It is where east and west meets north and south, where coming together is the epicenter and the center point. It is where our journeys commence. It is the crossroads. It is where we discuss contemporary topics of interest with leading men and women in business and industry, politics and government, health, wellness, and public safety. Education, religion, we discuss the law, the justice system, and the criminal justice need for reform. These and other issues are major concerns are discussed and analyzed because they affect us as individuals, as groups, as a nation, also as a world. Special thanks today to our producer, Dr. Bruce Smith and Dr. Victoria Smith, co-owners of BBS Gospel Net. And without them, this podcast would not be possible. Thank you also, podcast listening audience, and special guests. You can respond through our inbox with your questions and your concerns, your comments. And if you like the podcast, hit the follow button. Today, we will have an open forum uh, with invited guests and yourselves, the listening audience, asking and discussing relevant issues of the day. And I tell you, there are so many issues uh, that we can discuss, but we do want to focus uh, on one particular issue um, that we would like to delve into, and that is with the nation seeing so many mass shootings. What is uh, the, or what are the reasons for them? What's going on uh, with all of these mass shootings uh, by individuals? not just in one uh, location or locale or region, but all over the nation, from uh, the East Coast to the West Coast, from the Northern regions and areas all the way down to our Southern border. What are the reasons for them? Recently, what has happened? Why has something happened in Indianapolis at the FedEx facility? What's going on uh, with people when they can go into a Walmart and uh, commence to shooting and uh, injuring, wounding, and killing uh, customers and patrons that are shopping? What's going on when there are people who will go into 
a church facility, uh, South Carolina and Texas, and will uh, shoot the parishioners, uh, the worshipers, and feel no remorse about their actions. The shooting, the mass shooting of, from the hotel in Las Vegas uh, that took lives, multiple lives of people as they were at a concert. What is going on with America? What is happening in our world? What is happening in our nation and in our cities? We look at also not only shootings by individuals, but we're looking at uh, more killings and violence uh, by police officers of young teens, uh, the latest being the young Toledo child, 13 years old, whose life was taken by the shooting of a police officer. Then we have the army officer in Virginia who is in uniform and was stopped by police officers. And here he is fearing for his life, being threatened, does not have any intent to do anything but to obey. And we see an escalation on the part of police officers to the point that an unarmed officer, officer of the U.S. Army is pepper sprayed and told to get down. And here we are having officers who have been sworn to protect and to serve acting in such a manner inconsistent with their duties and responsibilities. And so now the question is, what is the role of government in all of this? What is the role of the church to speak out, to demonstrate church leaders what are their roles and responsibilities and even the membership of the churches? And I'm talking about white churches. I'm talking about black churches. I'm talking about churches whose pastors and leaders are men and women of color. When we see the attacks that have taken place against those who are of Eastern origin, the Chinese, the Japanese, and Koreans, and others who are of Far Eastern cultures, being attacked, being shot, being killed, and then in one uh, advertisement or in one newsreel, we saw a man closing his door while that person was on the street lying down. He saw the attack 
but yet he did not find the need to come to their aid or assistance. What is the role of the church, church leaders and civic leaders in all of this that is going on? Another question that we want to pose to you today in this open forum is what is your assessment of states passing more ease of access gun laws and open carrying uh, without a permit law? What's your assessment? What's going on? What do you feel? How often do people uh, who are our elected officials, how often do they consult us, who, the ones who are the constituents who place them in office to represent our interests? How often are we consulted? How often are there town hall meetings? How often are there any other kinds of forums that are used to discuss the various issues that seem to be so pertinent and that seem to be so needed for us to have uh, a common ground about. And yet, our lawmakers don't say what they're trying to do to us, but it seems like they get together as a group of willful men to impose their laws upon us without us having the right to discuss and to hear what our views are. Question, what are police departments doing in regards to protecting the rights of the citizens while ensuring police safety? Everybody wants officers to be able to go home to their families at the end of the day. There is no doubt about it. We want them to be able to retire and to enjoy a quality of life just as the rest of us do. And so the question is, what are the police departments doing in regards to protecting the rights of citizens while ensuring police safety as well. And so these are some of the questions that we want to look into on today because your input is vitally important. As Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, where do we go from here? Where do we go? from here. And so, if you're on uh, the podcast this morning as a guest, you're certainly welcome to delve into uh, these questions and these commentaries that I have uh, presented before you on today.
Now, of course, I do want to say that I do have two books that I want to also interject in the podcast on today. And the first one is entitled Black and White Healing Racial Divide by Dr. C.L. Holly out of Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama, who is a great friend of mine and also has written several books and discusses healing the racial divide. And we're going to look into what he has to say because if we look at the topic, healing racial divide, it implies significantly that there is a racial divide that needs to be healed. And heal, healing comes about because there, is, there are open wounds. Something has called some wounds to be opened, some flesh to be exposed. Whether it's of the mind, of the body, emotions, uh, whether it's uh, physically or whatever area it is, socially and all of the areas and systems of life that we are a part of, there has to be something that has caused an opening of the flesh. The second uh, book that I want to look at as well is called A Parenting Guidebook by Dr. Willie J. Greer Kimmons out of Florida, who's also uh, a native Memphian, although he was born in Hernando, Mississippi, reared in Memphis, Tennessee, where he attended public schools. In his book, in chapter five, he talks about the role of religion in rearing children. And we're going to also delve into what he has to say in chapter five uh, as it relates to faith, giving hope, it broadening horizon, and healing the soul. So he does have some interesting uh, <clears throat> information for us to also include in our discussion on today. If you are on the podcast at this moment, I want to let you know that you're certainly welcome to tune in on today. But let us get back to the topic that we are discussing. Number one, with the nation seeing so many mass shootings, what is the or uh, what are the reasons for them? And certainly we can say there is not just one reason, but there are many reasons, but they mostly stem from one thing, and that is from a lack of tolerance for one another. We have become so dogmatic and so staunch in our positions these days, regardless of what they are, 
that we have become so hardened that we cannot tolerate the opinions of others. We've seen even in our little league sports, how parents have attacked referees and umpires on the baseball diamonds, soccer fields, and in the gymnasium, gymnasiums, football games, because they disagree with a call that has been made by a referee or an umpire. They become so enraged at what is going on that they feel the need to attack the person that is trying to do their best to render impartial decisions on a field, stadium, gym, or wherever. And so there's this lack of tolerance. And many of these people, if you check out their background, they would be members of some religious institution, some church, or some other entity that fosters the idea of the brotherhood of man and the fatherhood of God. And so we have people now, even from the youngest ages, these are not good examples that we teach our children. We teach them that everything is fair in love and war. And if we instill these principles in children, if we don't train them up in the way that they should go, then we will find out that these so-called good values that you're instilling in them will lead them to their hearts being hardened against others, and especially those that are in authority. We're experiencing the sins of the past. And America is a nation where everyone has the right to the freedom of choice. But the freedom of choice does not mean the infringement upon my freedom. And so when we have so many people who have grown up with hatred in their hearts for one reason or another. I can't say that it's because of a person being born in an abusive home, and that's not always the case. I know that people say sometimes the reason that I abused is because I was abused. But that's not always the case. And if you are, there is a man by the name of Jesus, God, 
in the flesh who said that we must be born again. And so we have to change that sinful nature to the nature of God. And so we have people who are angry, angry in America. Somebody started a slogan about M-A-G-A, make America great again. Well, making America great again, you have to go all the way back to its foundation. You have to go back to its constitution and those who framed it and the spirit in which it was framed that all men are created equal and God has given us certain inalienable rights the right to the life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness and when men exercise violence against others as we have seen in Indianapolis, as we have seen in Texas, as we have seen in South Carolina, as we have seen in Florida, as we have seen in California and in other areas down in Georgia, then we have to conclude that either number one, these men and women have been taught this either from a youth or they have become indoctrinated by some other organization who is bent upon perpetrating violence for whatever reason or another. And so we see these things on a daily basis and it should not be so. Then let us look at what is going on with shootings by police officers of young teens and especially of black Americans and people of Hispanic and Latin descent. What is going on? Why is there so much hatred and violence against people of color? Why is it that one shooter, if he's of color, can be killed and a shooter who is basically of white descent can be treated with differences as it relates to apprehension, as it relates to uh, trying to de-escalate. What's going on? And many times, nine out of 10, the police serve as judge, jury, and executioner. Police officers who have been sworn to protect and serve. The armor officer in Virginia who was stopped 
had everything that he needed as far as his automobile was concerned, but stopped anyway and feared for his life. With officers' weapons drawn at him, telling him to get out of the car after he's been pepper sprayed, but he can't see. What's going on when police officers put chokeholds on individuals and especially black men and women, strangling them to death, whether they are standing or whether they have been placed on the ground? Something is wrong when an officer is chasing a young man, 13 years old. The first thing is, you need to understand your situation before you get into it. And then you need to exercise all due caution. And I know that people are saying, as a defense, I feared for my life. This is what police officers are saying when they pull up on an automobile, when they confront somebody, when they're running behind somebody in an alley. I feared for my life. Well, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter who you are. We all fear for our lives. But we are not wearing vests every day. We are not equipped with pepper spray, pepper spray. Excuse me. We don't have batons and blackjacks. We don't have weapons. And if you have a weapon, if you have a vest, if you have pepper spray, if you have handcuffs, and you have all of this equipment along with the radio to call in and ask for backup, ask for someone to come to assist you, you have no reason to fear for your life because you have all of these things that's working for you. If you're chasing an armed suspect and he has his back to you and you know he has a weapon and he turns around and you fire and say, I fear for my life. I'm saying to you, you don't need to be on the force. You don't need to be an officer. You need to find you a desk job if they have one in the police department and work behind a desk. Because it's obvious that you're using these terms, these words, 
I feared for my life as a cloak for you to take a life. And I'm saying to you today, get off the police department if you can't follow proper procedure and protocol, if you can't ask for backup, it's not that crucial. It's not that crucial for you to take a life, a life that you can't give and a life you can't take back. It's not that crucial. You ought to be like a good quarterback who sees that he's under pressure. And that good quarterback doesn't try to do something foolish every play. He throws the, the football out of bounds. He throws it way over the heads of everybody. He doesn't take a sack. He doesn't throw an interception. He does what is necessary in order to live for another play. And if you're a police officer, you need to take that in, into account that you still can allow somebody to live for another day as well as yourself. So a lot of what is going on is poor judgment. It's the lack of forethinking. There ought to be much role playing as much as possible and scenarios with police officers and, and all of that. And so we have to be mindful of the fact that no one wants to lose a life. No parent wants to lose a child. No wife wants to lose a husband. And I'm talking about whether it's alleged violation on the part of an individual or if it's by a police officer. No one wants to lose a loved one. No one wants to receive a medal of honor posthumously. And so we have to learn how to do what smart football players do. Throw it away. Stay with your protection. Stay in the pocket. And if the pocket breaks down, let the coach get on that pulling guard, that blindside guard who failed to protect. Call for backup. It's not imperative. You can't save the world. You can't save the city. You can't save the nation. But you can save a life. And the police shootings and violence must end. It must end because we don't know. Is there some kind of conspiracy to cause a race war again? Is this a conspiracy to bring back the late 50s and the 60s back? And I want to tell you, America, I want to tell you, lawmakers, 
and all who have a responsibility in all of this as far as criminal justice is concerned. That there was a time when we as black Americans said enough is enough. And I'm glad, and I'm sure you are too, for the sake of America, that men like H. Rap Brown and Stokely Carmichael and others are not here right now who will say burn, baby, burn, and by all means necessary. You are fortunate right now that we are not living in that era because most of us who lived in that era have moved on in terms of age. But there's only so much people would take when they're pushed in a corner. And we have to understand there may be some conspiracy, some kind of conspiracy going on to provoke black people to take up arms. Now, I know there are some people who are talking about Second Amendment rights to own and bear arms. What I want to tell you, we believe in the Second Amendment as well. We want to be peace-loving, peace-giving, and peace-providing people. But there's only so much peace-lovers can take. And when you don't police your own, you open up the door for confrontation to take place. And I'm not so sure that's not what you're trying to do. I know there are people who are upset with us as people of color in America. You're mad with God. You're mad with heaven because he has taken a people who were not a people and have become a people in the land of their captivity, who have moved from the outhouse to the White House. And so many people are angry about this. But I want to tell you that you don't have to be angry. Just do the right thing, and God will provide. God will protect. God will make a way. But when you take hatred and try to fashion it in such a way as to make others become your victims, I want to let you know, heaven may be silent, but heaven is not blind. And so we have to understand that we're not the cause of us being in America. You're the cause of it. And if there's a problem with black people in America, we didn't cause it. We didn't take tickets over here. We didn't ride first class. We didn't take the coach. We didn't take the 747. We were mass moved to America. And I don't care how long things happen, they're not going to stay the same always. It was 400 years that the children of Israel were in Egypt. When God says enough, it's enough. 
when our coming here was by decades and by centuries. When God says enough is enough, he means it's enough. And it was incumbent upon you to help us rather than to deter us, rather than to keep us in such a way that we will become and stay second and third class citizens. Thank you, Dog Bear, for joining in. We're talking about the role of the church as well, and church leaders and members, both black, white, and of color. Why is it our responsibility to try to right the wrongs of the majority when there are the majority who are sitting back and watching? Dr. Holly says that from slavery to civil rights, there have always been three places to stand. Number one, the supremacists and racists. There are those who seek to exercise power and control over others. And I'm not so sure that many of those ex, whoever they are, rebels, have not joined the police departments and forces as a way of trying to keep blacks in their so-called places. And I want to tell you, those of you who proudly march around with your Confederate flags, and you are proud to be a loser, if nobody ever told you your flag lost the battle. So you're marching around being a proud loser. What kind of thought pattern is that? I lost and I'm parading about it. You still want to exercise power and control over others when you didn't supposed to have it in the beginning. Who is anybody that one man can exercise control and power over another through slavery, through subjugating them, through making them subservient to somebody else who's another race? When out of one blood, God made us all. We have to check where your blood came from. Then he says there is the passive, passivist pacifist. Who is he? It's a safe place for those who don't want to risk anything and are too comfortable with their lives. We're comfortable. We're too comfortable. We don't want to work for anything. We don't want to talk for anything. We just want to be comfortable. Then there's the activist. He sacrifices, he supports, and he supports equal justice. 
for old people. But the pacifists is silent. They believe racism is wrong, but have no desire to become an activist for fear of losing their many privileges and comforts of life. We call it white privilege. Listen, in America, there's, a, there's enough room for everybody. You don't have to keep anybody out. You don't have to deny somebody else in order to have. And so our church becomes havens for those who just want to preach a safe gospel. Well, let me tell you what Dr. Kimmon says, if you don't mind. He talks about one of his spiritual advisors, Reverend Dr. E.D. Butler, who said, there are concerns the family must deal with when our supreme being from the brow of the Mount of Olives wept over the city of Jerusalem. He was expressing deep social concern. When he cleansed the temple, he was engaged in social action. When he died on the cross, he was revealing and paying the cost of individual family and social regeneration and reconciliation. When by his very life, he vanquished death. He was assuring the total victory that can come to the families of the world that is our supreme being's plan of redemption. He said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Our supreme being taught that we were to love him. Loving our supreme being is about surrendering, yielding, and obedience. And he said in one writing, the scripture, how can you love God whom you've never seen but hate your brother daily? How is it possible? Why is it that when we see all of the televangelists day by day, none of them address the inequities and inequalities that's going on in our nation? Nobody can be loosed. No woman, no man. No brother, sister, father, mother, until we have the love of God, which is the love that passes all understanding, that designed for us to love one another as he has loved us. The church, church leaders and members are negligent in addressing the ills of this, this society. We have to stand up and stand tall. Because if we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything. I want to thank you on today. The church cannot be a silent majority, but it must stand up and speak 
for those who are helpless and cannot speak for themselves. The movement of civil rights took on a new dynamic when the church became involved. Men and women of faith from all races, creeds, and denominations. Our problem is we have become so divided. They have done a good job of dividing us and separating us by denominationalism, by creeds, and by dogmas. And we don't see how that is important when it was the ingredient, the main ingredient that helped to galvanize the forces and also to become a collective conscience of people that injustice is wrong, violence is wrong, hatred is wrong, the taking of life is wrong. That we cannot live by the old creed of segregation yesterday, segregation today, and segregation forever. Hatred yesterday, hatred today, hatred forever. We have an opportunity to show our creator who is the father of all an opportunity to show his son Yeshua Jesus the Christ the savior of all that by this he knows that we are his when we have love one for another and we've got an issue that starts somewhere. Stand it up. Take it out. Editorials. Bulletins. Public service announcements. That we stand together for love and for justice. And that is, if we're going to make America great again, the American way. And who we have now, states passing more ease of access gun laws. Ease of access. We've already had the second amendment that you have the right. But now they're saying we want to put it in writing again. We want to make sure our state citizens know they can bear weapons without any repercussions. But that's not true. Because even after passing gun laws, even in our own state and even in the state of Mississippi and others, where these laws have been passed, we still see citizens being killed we still seeing people 
calling in and saying, I saw somebody, so-and-so with a weapon. And the police come running. And they say, drop the weapon. But if we have gun access laws, then why are we trying to enforce laws against people who carry weapons? And especially men and women of color. Something is wrong. Something does not add up. What are we trying to do? What are we trying to tell people? I will tell you this. Those nations that have laws that prohibit weapons have some of the other than America and the West because we're still a wild, wild West. They have some of the lowest homicide rates in the world. What are we telling people? It's okay to carry a weapon and use it when you want to. Don't talk it all out, shoot it out. I don't know what's the reason behind all of this. Maybe you, some of you know better than I do what's going on with these states and with these laws. And what our police department is doing in regard to protecting the rights of citizens, what are they doing? Why is it that all of the efforts are used to justify police violence and perpetration of harm against the people that they are sworn to serve and protect rather than finding the truth and letting the chips fall where they may. I thought that a person in America was presumed to be innocent until proven guilty rather than the person he was fleeing, so he must be guilty. There's something wrong with our thinking in America. Dr. Harley and Dr. Kimmons, are we committed to one another? Are we committed to loving our fellow man. How often do we come together? Let us reason together, said the Lord. Are we reasoning? Or are we being unreasonable? Religion plays a role in our culture, in our homes, in our schools, in our organizations, and society as a whole. We've got to learn how to come together 
And there are people who believe that any time something goes on and when the government, especially religious leaders and government leaders, talk about uh, the need to curtail gun violence, organizations like NRA and others start talking about nobody's going to take my weapon away from me. And that's not the issue. Nobody's talking about taking a weapon away from responsible gun owners. We're talking about irresponsible people committing irresponsible acts. If you believe that driving at a 45 or 50 mile an hour speed limit is okay, Nobody said, no, I'm going to drive my automobile as fast as I want to drive it because this is my automobile. I have a driver's license. This is my automobile. I pay for it. I own it. And I have a right to drive it the way I want to drive it. No, you don't do that. You obey the laws. You obey the laws that says, 55 miles per hour, 6 to 75, whatever that is, or in a area where children are, where the bus has stopped, or any of these restrictive rules when it relates to driving, you have no problem with them. You call that responsible driving. And nobody talks about taking your automobile away from you, even if you're involved in an accident. So why is it when these irresponsible people shoot up people, not just one person, but mass shootings, and when somebody says we need to curtail uh, and restrict the ownership of guns, everybody comes out of the woodwork that talks about a Second Amendment violation. We're not talking about that. That's different. You have the right to own a weapon. We're talking about people who change the purpose of the weapon to suit their purposes to kill and destroy, to maim other people, to injure others. We get all up in arms. And we even go to our legislators. We even lobby. Because we don't want gun control. And we said, it's not the guns, it's the people. Guns don't kill. Oh, they don't. But when's the last time nations fought it out hand to hand if guns don't kill? Why aren't we training in kung fu and jujitsu? Why don't our armies have black belts rather than green belts? 
to hold up their uniforms if guns don't kill. My brothers and sisters, the answer can only be found through what has been given us by the supreme being. That is to love one another. For love hides a multitude of faults. And today we have been looking in an open forum. Thank you, friends. Thank you, each of you, for being a member of Crossroads as we have examined the state of America in regards to religious affairs, race relations, gun control. There's much that can be said. There's much can be done. But as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, where do we go from here? This is Crossroads, where North and South meets East and West. We're coming together at the epicenter and the center point. It is where our journeys commence. I want to thank you on behalf of BBS Gospel Net, Dr. Bruce Smith and Dr. Victoria Smith, and all of those that are associated and partners with us in this endeavor. Thank you so very much. Have a great day. And remember, love conquers all. God bless you.